both as a celebrant and as a memorial planner, I ask questions that might sound a bit crazy. Um, so, for example, if you said, if I turned around to you and said, Michael, tell me about your mom, mm-hmm. you you might be like, well, um, she's really nice. I love her. And, she's a um, sweetheart, I'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Um, she's really chatty. Um, she's got brown hair. You know, you you describe Do you know her. her. Do you know Cindy? <laughs> besties, we're besties. Jennifer, say hello for us. Hi, Michael, and hi, everybody. Oh, what a, what a beautiful, lovely Irish accent! Don't you know who it is already? That is Jennifer Maldaney, the glam reaper. And boy, oh boy, isn't she glamorous. What's going on, Jennifer? <laughs> oh, God, I hate you for that. Um, you thank live you. up to the name. You live up to it. <laughs> no more no more glamorous than the man in the moon, I can tell you. there's The, the glamour part of me, I, that's definitely, yeah, and especially if you, if you know me very well, I'm no more glamorous. But anyway, yes, thankfully got given that lovely nickname by the British media when my first book came out. So, um, yeah, the Glam Reaper, it stuck. And listen, I've got a podcast, the Glam Reaper podcast. It sticks. It's good. It's a great show yeah. name. It's great when I go on stage, you know, although it I do really try is. and look I'm sure there's far worse things that we have been called as funeral directors and the Glam Reaper is very fitting for, for someone like you. So I think it works out well uh, for everything that yeah. you're doing for sure. Yes, it definitely does. And do you know what's interesting is that there are some clients that I work for um, who, so I'll be doing, um, so I'm like a wedding planner, but for funerals. And so there right. are some um clients that i'll work with um and especially i you know it is pride month i guess um but especially with the lgbtq community where when they find out because i go under muldaney memorials because it's a little bit more somber it's a little bit more you know um less sort of you know teasing kind of um but when they find out my nickname is the glam reaper oh my god they they love it (laughs) they're just like what oh my god the glam reaper is doing this funeral so yeah it it can have a bit of fun but um yeah it's good it Memorable. does. It, it, it is. And I think it's good that you do it that way because, you know, it, it's fun for your clients to kind of see behind the scenes like, oh, she's the glam reaper like that makes sense. But you have also the business side of things that you need to keep a professional, too. So it's it's the way to kind of keep it both ways. And um, I like to think we're similar with that, like mortuary store, mortuary show like that's meant to be a little bit of satire as well and it's and i think what we do is is here to entertain and inform and you know kind of help our industry and that's something that you have done for a long long time now you're most famous for all of your books and um everything and just give us a little bit about you how did you become a funeral director in the first place where did, or not a funeral director a, a funeral planner or whatever you would like yeah. to um that's consult okay. yep. yeah i'm yep. sorry how how did that come to be and where do you you get this drive and this passion uh, to help our beautiful industry? Yeah, so it's actually um, not the first time I've gotten called a funeral director. So I get that a lot. And actually, especially when I started what I'm doing now in Ireland, um, that's immediately one of the biggest problems I had was that people didn't understand. They're like, but we know what a funeral director is. What are you? <laughs> you don't I, fit into a box. Um, yeah. And so the easiest way I say, so my business provides two 
two services really celebrants and um, memorial planners and a celebrant is like a priest but not a priest or a rabbi but not a rabbi so somebody to MC a service officiate yeah. a service and then the memorial planner is like a wedding planner but for funerals so we're not licensed funeral directors we still need funeral homes like yourselves we still you know we're not we're advocates of the industry we're um all about dispelling myths and stuff that there some people do have honestly and actually I was only having a conversation with a funeral director last night where we were talking to a Joe public um mm -hmm. about sort of what we do and he had like as they always do had so many questions um sure. but li like you and me and our you know chat me and this other funeral director were really approachable and we're just like yeah ask us anything ask us because people usually it. have a lot of questions and um so we actually, the, the funeral director I was with, it was kind of funny what he said. He was like, you know, a family will come to me and they'll have a certain conversation with me. But then when I refer them to Jen, me, and when I refer them to Jen, he said, they'll tell her so much more. And they open up like a flower with her. He said, it's really interesting. He said, we technically, a funeral director is an event planner, you know, of certain way. Yeah. Um, within their funeral home and yeah. like a venue planner and but he was like you know there's th just this different dynamic and um, that when they're sitting in a funeral home there's this certain way they act with the funeral director but then when they meet with Jen they're a totally different um, person and she gets different stuff out of them so it is really interesting and I definitely think there's a need for both of us um, but back to your question of how I got into this um, so about 15 years ago uh, I was a wedding planner back in Ireland and I had my own business and it was fine. It suited my personality for sure. Um, yeah. And then unfortunately, two friends of mine passed away. Um, one was only Sorry. 23 and one was 28. Mm -hmm. And I was in my 20s. And when you're in your 20s, Jeez. you you're going to travel the world. You're going to see all these people like you don't eat. Death does not even cross your no. mind. It's an elderly, you know, um, grandparent or maybe somebody who's ill. Right? right. So for these two tragic things to happen just like that, I was floored. And it, you know, I obviously was dealing with my own grief. Um, mm. And then I was dealing with my own mortality and being like, what the hell? Um, and <clears throat> and then from an event planner's point of view, logistically, I was like, wait, wait, wait. And... I just thought to myself, well, this isn't what I want. So I'm going to go and plan my own since I'm doing weddings. Like, why can't I go plan my own? So that was when I started to realize how in Ireland, we very much, it doesn't matter whether you're atheist or whatever you believe, we still took you to the local funeral director, whoever that was. There was no sort of price checking. There was no value checking, no quality checking. Uh -huh. Local funeral director and local church. Didn't matter what your religious beliefs were. Yeah. So I started kind of down this rabbit hole. And that's how my first book came out and how the Glam Reaper came to be. Oh. And I started coming back and forth to the conventions that are happening over here. And then about nine years ago, I decided to move fully over here. And Muldani Memorials got born out of... So it, my original um, business name was Farewell Funeral Planners. Um, but Muldani Memorials sort of, it evolved into that. And the Glam Reaper is the fun name like the that I use when I'm on stage, my podcast, stuff like that. But Muldani Memorials, is a bit warmer it's yeah at the end of the day you know while some people might enjoy the glam reaper name and enjoy that aspect of oh the glam reaper you know did my friend my dad my grandmother's funeral whatever <laughs> not everybody's going to love that no, you know no. going to take a certain person so and i very 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 much wanted um it to for me and my business to be seen as we're not dancing on people's graves this isn't just pure celebrations of life yeah this is mourning a death 
in addition to celebrating the life that was lived. And that life can be as short as five years. It can be as short as a couple of months, but there's still life that needs to be celebrated. And there's still an empty spot in all of our lives or whoever's, you know. So, and to me, it's that really fine line um, of getting that just right. It's, it's, I don't think any event planner can do it. I pride myself in sort of, that's the, the niche or the niche, as you guys would say, um, <laughs> that I have I have carved out for myself. So yeah, it's pretty special. Yeah, yeah, that's very special. And it's something that I don't know if it's a thing around us. So I'd be interested to see if that is something that becomes more and more prevalent, which I think, I mean, between you and I and everyone listening, I guess, yeah. I think it is going to become a thing because that's what people want, is yeah. they want to have a full service and it doesn't yeah. need to be the cookie cutter service like you saw back in Ireland or how it was yep. more so here 30 years ago, it's very different and people want to celebrate in different ways. So I'm assuming that's kind of what your role is. You're taking it away from, not away from, but you're adding on to the funeral home and saying, these exactly. are the things that we can do on top of. So tell us a little bit about how that process works yeah. with the funeral home and what you know you do at Muldaney Memorials. Yeah, so it's um so it's one hundred percent working with funeral homes. And you know, I actually I was at one of the annual conventions, God, I think it's about six years ago now, maybe. Uh-huh. I was chatting to a journalist from the New York Times and she was um, you know, she'd been down on the expo floor and she'd been talking to all the funeral directors and stuff. And I said to her, like, what's the, the prevalent message or what, what are you hearing from people down there? Yeah. And, and at the time, I was actually working with an environmental um, cremation company. That, um, were, I was, that's why I was chatting with her about that because I was like, you know, are they into new methods of disposition? Like, what's going on here? Right. And I was actually kind of really surprised with what she said, which is she said they're all terrified event planners are going to take their jobs. And I was like, What? So I think, so I would like to officially dispel that completely because it is absolutely not that. No event planner I've even spoken with, to be honest, wants to even do what I do. Like they're just, people are terrified of death and dying and and they just, they're not into it, right? So yeah. like I even have event production companies who hire me to do, to sort of come in and do, if, if they've been maybe a, like you've got these, um, amazing global fashion houses and so they have a family event planner but when the person somebody dies the the event planner will be like okay we need a specialist for this and um, because it is a special it's not like a baby shower a bar mitzvah a wedding like it's a very different vibe yes so there's always going to be a place for funeral directors and funeral homes however they have to move with the times. If you yeah. want to stay in your little lane and only do your thing, then go for it. But you're going to be the Kodak. You're going to be the VHS. You're just, you're going to go out of date. And, and, and what you're going to then become is a disposal service, which is not what we want at all. No. So there's huge value in funeral directors, but we have to evolve. And if that means reaching out to your local event planner, and seeing if they're interested or i mean i'm looking to expand state by state um i have trained hell i've gone into funeral homes and i've helped train up their staff in celebrant work so that they can do it in-house and in how they can at least start the event planning conversation and stuff but it's like you know having the chat with your local hotels and restaurants you know because what I do is it's rare that I'll do events within a funeral home and churches rare, not in 
completely impossible, but it's rare. Usually I'm brought in by a funeral home or by a private client if they want to have something in their backyard, they want to have something on a yacht, they want to have something in a hotel, they want to have mm-hmm. a, a, a theater, whatever it is. So it's something yeah. a little bit different. And I honestly think that's the future because like what I always go back to um, when I'm talking about my celebrant work where people are like, oh, but that just means, you know, you're not religious and no, oh, you know, we're, and I'm like, no, I am actually, I was raised Catholic and I still yeah. identify as Catholic, but that doesn't mean I can't be a celebrant. And it doesn't mean I, right. I personally want a celebrant at my own funeral. And that's how all my entire business quite selfishly of Mediva came from is my, this is what I want. And I want to right. celebrate at my funeral. The reason being is because, then the service can be about me, which is all I really care about. It has to be about me. I don't want it to be about, you know, I don't want it to be in a church because I find them, most churches to be a bit cold and sort of, and I don't have a a relationship with the church. So, Uh you know, um, and so I want it to be a celebrant who can invite my friends up to speak, who can play my favorite music and who can have maybe a priest there or the celebrant can say some of my favorite Catholic prayers. Yeah, It's not that I don't want religion. It, that's got nothing to do with it. It's that I don't want religion defining my final farewell. Because right. at the end of the day, my final farewell should be all about Jennifer Muldowney and not right. about the church. Why is it about the church? When you think about it, right? I don't know if you are religious. But I'm if Catholic, you go, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you go to church on Sunday, if you, I don't, but if you go to church, <laughs> you go for church, you go for mass, right? You right. go for that. Yep. Um, however, if you go to a funeral, you're not going for the church. You're not going for the mass. You're going for that person. Absolutely. So why does the church get to sort of define, you know, control, especially um, because to be honest, a lot of them took out uh, eulogies even in Ireland, um, especially, and I know here a little bit. So it's not about saying no religion and it's not about saying no funeral homes. It's about guys, people are changing we want different things and so we all have to work together and the church included and and funeral homes both of those will become antiquated and will become extinct unless they change with the times and so i'm even i'm actually um speaking at uh, new york state um annual convention this this august um and i'll be talking about exactly this um and it's you know there are the funeral homes, the funeral directors and funeral homeowners who see the, I'm not saying it has to be me, but they see the light and they're like, we need, this is something that people want and people are asking us for. So instead of them going directly to Jen and we don't get any cut of the pie or whatever it is, right. let's have them work through us and we hire Jen or whatever it might be, you know? So. Yes, that's, that's uh very interesting. And there are a lot of points that I want to address. Let's see if I can get them all. One very, um, kind of prevalent one my brother just got married which we talked about before we got on and the priest at their wedding knew them like intimately so he was able to make the whole ceremony about them and everyone after mass was talking about it they were like that priest was unbelievable he talked about connor and molly like he he like he really knew them and that's what we want it's the same thing in the funeral side we want whoever is having the service to talk about that person that we love so dearly that is no longer with us. Yeah. So I'm totally with you, totally agree. We need to make it about the person that 
is right there in front of us or, exactly. or whatever it is. And even to just top up on that, because one of the things I get a lot is, oh, antiquated means church and means it. No, yeah. my, my grandmother, for example, has passed away. God rest her soul. But yeah. she there is no way I would have done anything else with her except have her buried and go to the local church. Right. Absolutely. That is her to a T, exactly as you just said. Yeah is not about anti-religion or anti-anybody it's yeah. about making everybody feel included like it's about yeah. diversity across the board like you know why does it just have to be the church can't everybody get their farewell that they want so yeah that's what it's all about and that's our job whether it's a funeral planner or funeral director that is our job to hear what the family has to say yep understand that and to act on it and do yep. what we can to make it special for them so Tell us a little bit more about like how the process, so it seems like the funeral home will call you and say like, hey, Jen, we have a family that would really like or benefit from your services. So what is your, what does your process look like? Do you sit down with the family and say, okay, what are we looking for? Or do you kind of have a questionnaire or what is it that, that you do that maybe some of our funeral directors could have some tips on? That, that would help us from yeah. more of the planning side of things. 100%. Well, the first thing is usually um, I'll have developed a relationship with the funeral home before that. Right. So I'll sit down. Like, so if somebody, so say somebody listening, right, is like, oh my God, I really want Jen in Chicago. So I would um, meet Which I with. Do. <laughs> everyone wants a bit of jet um, glam reaper 2.0 um so but that's you know people will say we want a bit of this okay great um so what i would do is we sit down and we say okay well what's what does your clientele look like what are they looking for and i would get to know you your funeral home and what they're what you know them better than I do, right? And so from there, then we discuss sort of what your profit margins are and what you would hope to gain from this as well. Yeah. Because so what I do is I, my team will act, we don't act, it, I have different agreements with different funeral homes, but we act as part of your funeral home. So we are almost one of the team. So it's not like, yeah, it's not like, although some, some funeral director or funeral homes just want to refer them to me and then we take them as Muldani Morris clients and we give like a commission back or whatever. But so most funeral homes want to kind of keep it as in-house as they can. And so what they'll do is they'd refer um, the client to us. Once we've come up with an agreement, um, I'll sit with them as, Cooney funeral home, whatever, I'll sit with them and sort of say, okay, you know, what are we looking for here? We'll figure out the venue. And it's kind of a similar to um the yes, a, yeah. an arrangement. It's exactly the same. Yeah. It's just I'm delving more, I guess, into the frillier side of things. Um, you know, I don't have to worry about disposition and licensing and all that sort of stuff. I'm yeah. more about okay well what was their favorite venue? What was their favorite smell? What was their favorite music? And um, what's your budget? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but getting all of that and then then we do some research and we put together a proposal and then and it, it encompasses both my fee um our fees and also a profit margin for you guys so it's yeah. and they get presented that and and the billing all comes through the funeral home and everything like that so um and then cool. there's as i said other ones who kind of are into the idea but really don't necessarily want to have massive um input in it and so that way they're just like no we feel it's cleaner jen to just refer them straight to Muldani memorials you completely take care of it and then we you know you look after us you give us a kickback or whatever it might be um and that's the thing like i'm a big fan of you know 
and I, I don't know how much of many of Joe Public sort of listen to this podcast, um, because I know in the Glam Reaper I have both Funeral Community and Joe Public, um, yeah. and so, but you know, for even for them, for Joe Public, it's everyone should eat at the table, you know, um, and I'm most people are very aware that you know when you buy something, there's percentages added on and stuff, and the service oh. fees, and you know that's one of my big things that I feel like the funeral community needs to start doing instead of making their money on casket sales and sort of um items is valuing their services service. and in a service fee yeah yeah so a consultancy fee because that's effectively what you you guys are you know that's and then what the that's, value is yes people don't see value in no. caskets anymore no. they don't no. and as it's, simple as that it, so it, we exactly. have to perform a service that the family is going to love so they can say this is why I paid you this amount of money yeah. is because I'm getting this in return. And yeah. it's about, it's about me. It's about my family. And that's exactly. where people see value. Now it's, it's totally yeah. different merchandise, you know, and, I mean, and people yeah. see value in different things. Like for True. example, my best friend who's a funeral director, he does value the casket and he values, you know, classical music and he values all this crap. And I'm like, <laughs> I value the food and drink. The food and drink. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> drink that I, I always ate and drank in life because I will come back and haunt you guys. You know, certain <laughs> songs I want played, whereas he wants classical music and he wants a string quartet. And I'm like, eh, I don't know if I value that. <laughs> you know, yeah. So it's like everyone values different things. And that's actually one of the things I taught him on our journey of, of talking to families about this because you'll have a family that really values the casket and really right. values the vault and really that's important stuff to them um yeah. and they'll pay they'll put money on that but they won't put money maybe on a venue or um on food and drink some people don't have any food and drink at all mm-hmm. for me the irish way to mourn was always food the and irish drink. wakes come on i know <laughs> them all too well and that's the thing i like effectively what i'm doing now is just a modernized version of the of the wake because i mm-hmm. am bringing especially state by state, it's very different. Like in New York state, you're not allowed to have alcohol um, in a funeral home. So like, that's another reason why my services then become popular because people choose a space, they can have food, they can have drink. And that's what Awake always was about. It was about being in the room with the body, you know, mourning, grieving, celebrating, you know, laughter, crying, wailing, drinking. Yeah, whatever, whatever you need, whatever kind of works for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's cool. And I'm I'm wondering, so the majority of time are the funeral homes coming to you because they're the family's requesting something unique, or are they or do they think, oh, this family might be good for Jan and Muldaney, or is it more like I try to recommend every family? So how does that sort of work? And what are the questions that that you ask if let's say they don't have already kind of a preconceived idea of what they want yeah what are some of the questions that you ask the family that we could ask our families that mm-hmm. help us give a more personalized service to who we're serving yeah so that's a really good question the um there's a couple of different answers to that because it depends on the arranger there are some arrangers um, out there that are just born salesmen uh, or saleswomen and are just very naturally able to have that conversation and open people up like a flower. There are other people who kind of need a script and are a bit sort of more closed. Um, And so it, uh, it depends on who I, I don't do a full, I do do a training, a kind of a sale, uh, not a sales training, but like a training on what I do. And I do give some um, tips and sort of, uh, it's asking the question. um, Yeah. 
it's asking questions. So both as a celebrant and as a memorial planner, I ask questions that might sound a bit crazy. Um, so for example, if you said, if I turned around to you and said, Michael, tell me about your mom, mm-hmm. you, you might be like, well, um, she's really nice. I love her. And, she's a um, sweetheart, I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, she's really chatty. Um, she's got brown hair. You know, you, you describe Do you know her. her? Do you know Cindy? <laughs> besties. We're besties. Um, and so, it, but it, it, it doesn't really give me a whole lot to go on. Whereas the questions, I have a list of questions and it's silly things like, what's her favorite color? Right. What's her favorite drink? And those questions... Yes, there are there simple answers to them and some families just give me the simple answers and that's fine. That definitely helps. But sometimes, you know, like, for example, if you ask me what was my mom's favorite color, I would start laughing and I'd be like, well, red. Um, my God, she always in red, She's which I am in today, <laughs> but yeah. she was always in red and it will immediately evoke a memory. And yeah. so that's what those questions, they're very simple questions, but a lot of them, especially when asked in a group that are trying to come up with, okay, this Jennifer girl gave us these questions. What, what was mom's favorite color? Jesus, does anybody know? Oh my God, do you remember she used to always wear that blue dress? Yeah, maybe that was her favorite color. Yeah. People, it starts a conversation. Um, whereas if you just say an open-ended, like, tell me about mom, it can be difficult, especially when the brain is going through grief because the brain is is in protective mode. You've just lost your most important person or somebody you yeah, really care about. Yeah. And your brain is just like, no, we got to we gotta protect. There's a lot going on here. Okay. In, let's, yeah. yeah, let's go back to, um, what's the word? Um, back to like the caveman, cavewoman yeah. era. But it's, it goes into protect mode. Um, and so getting that information is important. Also, the questions do help me when it comes to which I'm a big fan of um, with any funeral. And this can be done in a, in a funeral home. It can be done in a church kind of, um, it can be done in most spaces, uh, evoking all five of the senses. So most people, um, you know, will have sight. Okay. You might have beautiful flowers, smell, you know, the flowers, but you know, what was his favorite scent? Is, yeah. is there a candle, maybe a tobacco candle, or maybe right. his, you know, could you spray her perfume on something or, uh-huh. you know, just that go, just there's little things, but all five of the senses should be touched at some point. And I, like um, I do think that that really helps us to greet. Again, it's all about personalizing it to that person. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And then when it comes to sort of, uh, how like funeral homes will kind of bring me in, um, again, like when a funeral home reaches out to me um, and of course since COVID the dawning of Zoom um, which we are grateful for today even though we're not yes. Zoom effectively but same same <laughs> uh, same same but different um, immediately I'll say can you get me on a call with the family even if the funeral director's already done his arrangement call and he, he has what or she has what they think is the information I still like to connect with the family before I start looking de- at venues and stuff like that Definitely. because again similar to what my funeral director friend last night just said sometimes they do tell me things that they maybe don't tell you guys in that arrangement right. and I experienced that even with celebrant work um so like with even with my celebrant stuff um in a funeral home um I've often gotten well why should we hire you Jen when we have Sarah the celebrant who does all of our work mm-hmm. If Sarah the Celebrant is working for you, then great. However, what do you do when Sarah the Celebrant is gone away for a month or she's gone away for a weekend? Who are you getting to replace her? With Muldowney Memorials, you're never going to have to worry about that. You will always have somebody, whether it's me or whether it's one of my team, you'll have some somebody who can replace them. Um, And the other thing as well, um, and this is just back to what I was talking about, is that 
as a celebrant, um, so a funeral director has had this whole conversation with the family and they've organized the entire funeral and the family have decided they want to celebrate. Great. So now I'm on the phone to the family and we're talking through the service and we're, you know, okay, how are we going to make this beautiful and blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, because we have a different rapport because we're talking about the service and we're talking about personalizing it. And this, this doubles up as both the event planner and the celebrant, but I'm just to simplify it, we'll talk about celebrant. So I'm chatting with them. We're going through the service. You may have done, you may have ticked in a, in a sales training and you know, whatever document you have that maybe you have a checklist of, okay, did I offer them music? Did I offer them catering? Did I offer them? You've all your things, right? You may have done an A1 service, an A1 arrangement. Amazing. And they may have turned down music and they may have turned down catering, say, for example, in this scenario. Sure. Suddenly I'm on the phone to them and I'm chatting. We're going through the service. And I might say to them, um, well, oh, what was his favorite song? And they might say, oh, it was Bach. And I'd be like, oh, have you considered a string quartet for that? Oh, God, I never even thought of that. I said, oh, okay, yeah. And oh, yeah, well, Michael never told us that. He never offered us that. Now, you could have done that. Absolutely. And this has happened. You could have done that. But they, it goes over their head because they're only thinking, they're thinking, what what basics do I have to get done? They're not thinking about everything, right? That's one example. And then the next one, as we get on further, okay, so at the end, I'm just going to say thank you, everybody, for coming. And, you know, we'll wrap it all up. And, um, you know, are you meeting, are you having a luncheon afterwards? Are you having, like, tea and biscuits in the yeah. um, funeral home or something? And they're like, oh, that's a great idea. Oh, could we do that? Can we do that? Oh, that would be wonderful. I'm like, yes, you can do that. So then right. I hang up the phone, I ring up and I say, Michael, get back onto them about music and get back onto them about uh, tea and sandwiches or whatever. So like, it's another additional training that my celebrants get that looking for these sort of extra, and it's not a add on sales. I mean, it is, it is, yeah. but it's not, it's about giving that value to the family that sometimes when they're in that arrangement, they're just so bombarded. They're like trying to protect, the brain's trying to protect themselves from grief. They're bombarded right. with all these questions and all trying to get, oh my God, do we have their social security? And what about, oh my God, and we have to close that bank and we have to do this and we have to do all yeah. that that they don't hear the value and the things that you guys are providing. So, and ah. and so that can be, so I always, jo- not joke, but I always say that we're like a second wave of sales in some respects, because right. we just add that, those extra questions. And it's done in a very like, oh, have you thought of that? And they're like, and sometimes they'll be like, yeah, no, he offered us that and we don't want live music. Okay, no problem. Fair. But, I think asking those questions is the best way to get them just to open up a little bit too. Mm. And if you kind of go through your paperwork, like you were saying, Jen, like A, B, C, D, like you got to get all your checks off on the death certificates and you're just doing it robotically, it's hard to have that emotional connection with the family that we need to have in order for them to see value, in order for them to maybe be like, I want to do something more, I want to do something special, rather than just giving the bare minimum. And then in 10 years, your funeral home is only doing direct cremations and you're having no services and you're wondering why, well, maybe it's because you're not putting in that just a little bit extra effort that it takes to set yourself and go above and beyond for the family. So I think that's something that, that you do really well and that we could all kind of take a page out of your book and say, Hey, there are things that we can do more than just, you know, the bare bones. And I love what you talked about the five senses too. Now sight, my bodies are, I mean, they're pristine. So (laughs) I kid. But like the smell is huge. When, when when a family brings in their own candle or if we ask them if they want candles, 
like for example, my cousin passed away a few years ago and my mom brought in all these candles into the funeral home. And I was like, wow, this is like so nice. And it doesn't smell like yeah. I mean, the flowers sometimes, like we all no. know, it's not the best yeah. smell when you have competing flowers. But when you have like a nice candle in the room or something or an incense or whatever that person mm -hmm. likes, especially if it has an emotional connection, yeah. that blows people out of the water. If you yeah. play their favorite song, that's something that you can do that's small too that knocks our socks off. So these yeah. are things that we can all do as so easy. planners. So easy. And you know, I will say this. It's it's easier, I think, for me and my team as well to develop that emotional connection because while it, this is our day-to-day -day job, our day-to-day -day job is up and down. You know, we're not we're not a brick and mortar and stuff. So we yeah. don't have, like I do, and, and there is the, the, what is it, the great resignation or whatever, the, the staff shortage that the funeral homes are having now. Because yep. to be honest, ideally, if I was to do a, a, my ideal funeral home tomorrow, it would be nearly to have staff more staff dealing with less families but giving that valued service because yeah. the, spending more time with them because it's e very easy for me to sit here and say oh don't go through a checklist and be robotic but at the same time when you're under pressure and you know there's three other families waiting and knocking on the door yeah it's hard to not you it's hard on not the head. To be removed so that's hard yeah, and I think is I think funeral home owners, if there's any funeral home owners listening, is that something you unfortunately really need to address? Is how under pressure are your your staff, and and is there ways that you can alleviate that? Whether it's bringing in part time or temp staff, or or outsourcing certain things like celebrant work, like maybe to funeral planners and event planners and stuff like that, because that is another um bonus that I bring to a lot of the funeral homes is a funeral home usually is open nine to five or eight to six or eight to eight or whatever it might be has their restricted hours when i take on a client we're pretty much 24 7 and that's our team just focus on that and so but that's now something the funeral home doesn't even have to worry about so they can now move on to their next family that they're serving knowing right. that that family is being completely taken care of so it's really just about thinking outside the box and almost going back to basics i mean and you guys are in marketing but it's like yeah I remember 15 years ago when I started this, like I helped some funeral homes, you know, when I was kind of trying to figure out where I fit in in the, I knew what I wanted to do and I was doing the funeral planning, but I wasn't always making money from it and stuff. So I had to supplement that with, I was doing social media for some funeral homes, some marketing, working with this environmental cremation company, all these different things. And I learned so much from all of those, but like, yeah, 15 years ago, marketing for funeral homes, like very videos. Different videography like live streaming yeah. what none of that was happening no. so we've come on eons even since then but we just have to keep doing it and we almost nearly have to yep. every funeral director nearly needs to go back to business school and sort of start looking at the funeral home like a business and not not like a hobby or not like a family business or That's not a like huge thing for me yeah it's huge and it's something that we try to say all the time we are a family business but we don't want to run it like a family business. We want to run it like a business. Yeah. And we are a family. You yeah. Know, does that exactly. make sense? And I think we all get caught up in that and we want to help our family or help our friends. And that, that hits really close to home. And yeah. it's something that I try to repeat off and off. And it's like, we're running a business. This isn't a family yeah. business. This is a business. Yeah. And you have to be able to do that. You have to say, what is best for our funeral home? The best is 
to help our families, to get our name out there in front of people, to do whatever we can to set ourselves apart. Because once you do that, that's going to become a lifelong customer. A little joke there, but it's true. And then they're going to recommend other people. And something that, that we do is like, we want you to have glowing reviews online. We want you to be in front of people. We want you to have staff like you that says, Hey, we provide the best service around and there's no doubt. And I think that's, that was another really amazing point that a lot of us needed to hear from you, Jen, was that our funeral directors, they, they sometimes have to keep their nose down and just find it. Like I have to get through this. So if you can find a way to either alleviate them so they can focus more on giving more value or hire more people or hire someone like you or whoever Mm -hmm. it might be to help that family feel like that they are the most important because that is how you get even more business is when they feel that special, like, this is about me. This is about my family. And when you think about it, because again, chatting with the funeral director friend last night, he was, the two of us were saying, and I don't know if you feel this, but the client, the families, they think they're the only ones that we're dealing with because they don't, they're, you know, they're not even thinking about other people grieving. So they think they think they sometimes like it can get really irritating because, you know, you might be dealing with three other families and yet they're texting, screaming at you being like, hello, can you send me? I got seven of, I get seven more of these going on, (laughs) but they don't know. Like, and I don't blame them. It's not, it's like, but they have tunnel vision. They don't realize that. And we have to know that. That's it. And so if the staff are dealing with 10 other families, then that's where you've got a problem because the staff are going to lose their shit. Let's be honest. Right. We're like curse on this podcast. No, you're good. And that's how we, we have so many funeral directors that are going elsewhere, are finding new positions, doing different things, or are just getting burned out. And like, I've been there before I've gone through it and I, and it is excruciating. So we got to do things a little bit different. We have to evolve. Like we talked about at the beginning of the pod, we have to evolve and to be better or else our funeral homes will go by the wayside. So it's like, do you want to be part of the future of the funeral industry and what happens in the future? Or do you want to get left behind and stick with what's, what you've been doing? I (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. What do you want? But um, yeah, that, that's really cool. Oop, that's a death call here. Hold on just a second. All right, I think the students got it. I'm sorry about that. You know, we've been seeing a lot more business come in ever since we started Mortuary Marketing. And I got to tell you, all the few homes we work with, are they're saying the same thing. So what do we do? We run ads on Google and other similar sites that get directed at families that need a funeral home in your area. It then brings them to a page that we've designed for you that gets the family to call you to inquire for your services. It's really increased our volume big time. It's working for my funeral home, and I think most parlors could really benefit from its uses. I put a bunch of information in the podcast description. Go check it out. I'm always happy to help talk with you and answer any questions you might have. All right, let's get back to our morbid discussion. Tell us a little bit. We've gone so into depth, and I love all that. Tell us a little bit more about your novel side of thing, your book sides of thing. And oh yeah, a little bit about that. Cause I know our, we have a lot of readers of your books on our pod that listen. Um, so tell us like maybe some secrets, like yes. you come up with these. What, what, how, what'd you do? How'd you make them so great? 
Well, the first one, the first one I'd laugh because I mean, talk about, I picked a niche within a niche. Like, so I chose funeral planning as say farewell your way, a funeral planning guide for Ireland. So I chose a niche in the smallest country in the world. Niche, so niche, 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 niche. Needless to say, it didn't become All best. All the way down. But it, it sold well enough for me. And then my second right. book is sort of just a really, it's, um, more of a twist on that first book and it's actually to say farewell the Irish way no matter where you are in the world so it's Mm. going through it's very similar to the first one except that rather than be for people in Ireland it's for the diaspora like myself who are living abroad and maybe you know will die here one day and you know what will what will happen and so what does that look like repatriation you know is that worth it um how can you make your funeral more irish things like that and then there's a little bit of myth and folklore and stuff in there as well we talk about i need to have that in my arrangements office yeah (laughs) we're so we're doing um so actually this this is a, a bit of a a I haven't told anybody this. Oh, um, sneak yes, preview on the Mortuary Show. Watch out. I'm actually thinking, so my first book's anniversary, 10-year anniversary, is this month. Okay. And so I have decided that in September, I think, um, I'm just trying to work out because I know the annual convention is around then and I also yeah. have to go to Ireland. But in September, I'm going to actually have a birthday slash launch of my fourth book is what i'm thinking yeah um, so i'm gonna have copies of of all the of all the books um there and so my fourth one oh. that i'm writing the third one actually um was just a memorial journal so it's sort of um it's something that was born out of me working with families and being wanting to gift them something that meant something and so it's it's really just a journal that people can use there's quotes in it that can inspire yeah. them or not um and like even I think the fifty second quote, I think the last quote in the book is "Grief fucking sucks." Is this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it because does. it's a real. Yeah, exactly. It does. Um, Let's be real, right? Nobody who says "Yay, grief, love it." Woo-hoo. No, um, no one. <laughs> so yeah, so it's just it's just a real um, uh, journal. And then the fourth one is um, my, I'm interested in that. I'm looking for a publisher, so I haven't got that um, sorted yet, but hopefully soon. Um, so that is actually a li- totally different to the other three in so far as it's still talking about death and dying, but it's actually a coaching book. So I firmly believe at 41 years of age, I firmly believe that the more we accept that life is finite, the more we will live and love. And I genuinely believe that I think that is nice and deep. I love that. Yeah. So it's a coaching book. There's some death meditations in there. Um, you know, writing your own funeral plan, writing your own eulogy, all of these things just help you to like, I've done it myself. Um, you know, if you're, if you sit down and write your own eulogy, you really start to go, Oh my God, where are the holes in my life? Who do I actually care about? Yeah. Yeah. And if you're real with yourself, I bet you even more so. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's really cool. And I always say like similar things to that, where when you're involved in the funeral industry in any way, it gives you a whole different outlook on life yeah. and other people maybe don't even get it. Like yeah. they don't even wrap their mind around it. But yeah. when, when you're surrounded with this stuff, you, I think, appreciate every day so much yeah. more. At least I know I try yeah. to as much as I can is like yeah. take a second every day yeah. to be thankful for the yeah. opportunities that we have and thankful for being here and just to embrace life a little bit more. Cause otherwise it'll just kind of pass you by. And then it's like, 
what's the big deal really? Yeah. Like, why not just make it a little bit bigger, make it a little bit better yeah. and, and surround yourself with people that you love and yeah. tell them that too. I, yeah. I can go on and on about that stuff. Yeah. I love no, 100%. It's, it's, that's, it's definitely a blessing of all of us that work in the community. And so it that's is. what I wanted this book is to be more, to be accessible for those who don't work in the industry is that like, this is something we've all learned because of what we do. And unfortunately seen whether it's young people in accidents or illnesses and just people dying with regrets and stuff. And so we're blessed that we get to experience that, but um, I'm, I'm hoping to spread the word because that's it's great. true. You do, it's you true. love more. It is. You know, if you knew, I don't know, you know, if you have a partner or whatever, but like if you if you knew you only had one year left with them. It'd be you would, right. You like would be you, totally different. You would you would live every day very different. Yeah. And why not live like that? Like there, exactly. there, there's nothing stopping like, us tell, from doing tell that. Tell the person you love them every day anyway. Even right. if you've got another 30 years with them, why not? You know, yeah. but it, all of a sudden, if you know you've only got a month or a year, then all of a sudden you become more loving and you become more like I and it's partly because I live here. But like I tell my parents, you know, my brother and me, and my brother are not like gooey and I like all, at all. I know. I know. Every single time I hang up the phone, I'm like, love you. And, yeah. you know, it's just I want to make sure that the last words, because you just never know. Every time I leave, you, you know, I walk out of the house in Ireland and I come over here. I'm like, oh, my God, what if that's the last time I see them? Right. You know? Yeah, that's such a beautiful perspective. Has has your mentality changed at all? Like when you go back, do you ever read your first book again and then think about like the progression over the past 10 years? Oh, yeah. Do you have like a lot of like things that when you read are like, oh, I don't know about that anymore or like things that you're like, I wish I could have added more things? Um, hmm. well, definitely the trajectory is wild like just to from where I uh, was then and I mean but we can all say that you know look at yourself 10 years ago I never ever in my wildest dreams even though I was so believed in the concept and I so believed myself I never ever thought I would be you know living in my own apartment in New York City you know Amazing. overlooking water with like you know some of the world's biggest funeral home names as my clients and working for, you know, some of the brands I've worked for and never would I have thought written for, you know, on my fourth book, like I never would have done a Ted talk, like all these things. Um, so cool. Have I changed any of my, like if I go back over the book, no, there's nothing actually wildly different. The, my only, I don't, I don't do regrets. The only thing I would say, um, that's marginally regret is I wish I believed in myself as much as I believed in the concept. And I wish I had gotten investment, like I'm pro potentially seeking investors now actually, um, for expansion and growth. Um, but I wish I believed that much in myself back then to do yeah. that because I never, it took moving to New York for me to see how much money is actually in the world and yeah. it's wild you know i came come Open from a very much working class you know in ireland and um it just never crossed my mind that people would sort of hand over half a million to you and go yeah that's a great idea go for it you know never would have crossed my mind and that saddens me um because sort of where where did that sort of non self belief come from um so that's probably the only thing that I would say otherwise I I've always believed in the environment like I believe our industry can do a hell of a lot more um 
in positive changes to the environment and climate. Um, I, I think burial and cremation are, are going to peter out eventually. Um, I think we need to get more sort of savvy on, on that sort of side of things. I believe even stronger in pre-planning and in what I do. Um, and I think the whole digital thing is... Oof, like in some ways I wish I could write a book and I wish I could do a podcast just on our digital legacies because I think that is going to get more and more interesting. I mean, when you think about it, the amount of video footage and photos I have online, right. the amount of like, you know, you've got your Bitcoins, you know, your stock, like we live online now and it's yeah. wild and it changes at a rate of knots. Like it's insane that I don't even like, I, I wish I had the time to become like a, end of life digital expert because i just think it's fascinating like people snapchat at funerals now as well like what yeah um, you know it's just it's fascinating fascinating so i still believe in the three things that i kind of started off with which was environment digital and pre-planning um but yeah yeah nothing nothing's crazy changed i don't think it seems like you have a lot of self-belief now so it, it maybe that's something that it takes time or who knows but I think it's a good thing to hear, though. It's a good thing to hear, though, from from someone that has been through that, and it's like maybe it gives you a little boost in yourself, and like, hey, like, you know, I I, I should be confident in what I'm doing and what I'm believing, and double yeah. down on it, and you know, go for it. Like, if yeah. if you're thinking about opening up a funeral home or your own, you know, you know, memorial service or w- whatever that might be, like, have some confidence in yourself and like go for it because you don't know, like what the opportunities are going to be. And when you moved to New York, you saw a whole different world and your eyes kind of open. And that's, there's probably things like that in all of our lives that we can say that we've been through or that we're going to go through. So yeah. it's about, it's about being observant. I think yeah. about, well, I will, I will say on that, if there's anybody listening who if you genuinely, made it to 50 minutes, <laughs> if there's anybody listening who wants to, who needs somebody to just talk to, who's thinking of entering the business or has some idea or whatever, I'm always open to listening. Um, I'm very That's much nice. like, I didn't get as much help as I should have gotten. Um, especially from females, which that really saddens me, um, in my career and in getting to where I am. Um, and so, for me, it's really important for me to hire females and to sort of empower other females into to being not as scared and to sort of coming into this um, and anybody, you know, any diverse. But honestly, there because there's just so many of us out there who either have great ideas or are just afraid to to just jump. And so I'm happy to be a little bit of a soundboard if there is anybody out there. Also, if you're at any of the conventions and you see me just say hi because I also and I said this in another uh, couple of people's podcasts I was on I was like I remember I hate networking I remember being terrified like people think I'm an extrovert I'm not really I'm actually pretty much an introvert I'm kind of a borderline I don't know sometimes yeah. it's like one or the other but I used to absolutely be terrified going to those conventions and like I didn't know who I could say hi to or whatever so I'm telling you all now come up and say hi to me. There's no way I look at you like, who the hell is this? <laughs> You're fine. You're fine. Just come up and say where, where you yeah came across. Cause when you have a friend at those conventions, somebody to guide you around, Oh my God, it's just 20 million times easier. And I love introducing people. And that's what I feel like, you know, was lacking for me um, is somebody to kind of hold your hand. Sounds a bit sort of mommy, yeah. but you know, 
Well, I'll have to keep my eyes out for you at the convention yeah. and stuff. But uh, thank you so much for, for making yourself ava available to everyone, um, whether it's through that or reaching out to you and just taking the time to talk with all of us. I think you've given us so much to think about and so much knowledge and a very different perspective than a lot of what our funeral home owners and funeral directors see. So I encourage everyone to, to really hone in on that and try to incorporate it because what's the point of just listening if you're not going to take some action? So yeah. get out there, use these things that Jen is saying, like get out there and, and make a difference in those people's lives because that's what we all are here to do. And that's, that's what I firmly believe. So thank you so much for taking the time. And it's been an extraordinarily amazing conversation just to getting to know you. Well, thank you for having me. And I guess I'll see you all soon. <laughs>